You're now diving into the fish tank. Down with Seth living, Seth. OJ, Juice, Juice Man, ooh, and this is strictly for them true fans, yeah. golf fans, number one, one, of course y'all, this ain't no ordinary sports talk, I've been that fish tank. Welcome back to the Fish Tank presented by iHeartRadio right here on the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, Seth Levitt and the man with the best hands in the podcast business, OJ McDuffie, Juice. How you feeling today? Man, I'm back. I'm back with the best hands, bro. That I mean, means a lot to me, Big Seth. It was kind of a special request. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. It took a little time, you know. I thought you had <laughs> lost faith in me. You must have been some other guys doing podcasts that had better hands. But I've been, I've been scouring, you know, all these podcasts. I haven't seen anybody yet. Big There's Seth. some podcasters who can catch, but I don't know if they can catch and hold on to it after getting Boom. hit over the that's middle. What, that's what I'm talking about. That's the exactly differentiator right about. there. Well, we have a special guest here today, a non-traditional guest by the name of Bill Bant. Bill. Welcome to the fish. Hello, tank. gentlemen. What's up, Bill? What's going on? Man, Thank man. you so much for having me on the show. I'm very excited. Yeah, we are too, man. Yeah, we're very excited. Now, listen, if you are listening to this and the name Bill Bant doesn't catch your attention right, right he away. He played wide receiver, right? He, <laughs> somewhere. Uh, I think in the Turkey Bowl uh, once or twice. With Way us. more important job he had. Man. Not necessarily for the Miami Dolphins. I don't think he has the best hands in the podcast business. But uh, if you don't know Bill yeah. by name, you do know Bill Bant, or you know his work. Right. If you've ever been to a Miami Dolphins game from, I don't know, 97 to probably 2006, and you looked on the sideline and you saw that eight-foot dolphin that got you pumped up and was cheering you on, maybe took some pictures with your kids outside of the stadium, that was actually our mild-mannered Bill Bant. Your alter ego was TD, the Dolphins mascot. Yeah, that that was me, and um, I certainly Clark Kented it during my time with the with the team. Yeah, it was an interesting run, uh, ten seasons with the Dolphins as TD. Certainly uh, excited to share some stories about my time there. We got to hear all about your stories there. We also are going to talk a little bit about. It's Bill's a fellow podcaster right. as well, and that's why I said I don't know that he has the best hands in the podcast business, but he does have a great podcast, the All Eighties Movies Podcast. We're going to talk about that as well. But we got to hear about life as TD. It's an interesting story. Like when people find out that I was the mascot for the Dolphins, they ask, how do you get that job? And my answer is always, I was at the right place at the right time. And it's all who you know. So going back in South Florida sports history, as we know, Wayne Hunzinga um, was the owner of the Dolphins. And at the time, he was also the owner of the Florida Panthers and the Florida Marlins. And both the Marlins and the Panthers both had mascots. We had Billy the Marlin and Stanley C. Panther. And of course, we you know also had the Heat down there who had Bernie, and the mascot for the Panthers talked to Heisinga and said, "You really should have a mascot for the Dolphins." Wait a you second, know, Stanley C. Panther is the one who told Wayne Heisinga that the Dolphins <laughs> need a mascot. That's how the story was relayed to me. So I'm just relaying. I I was surprised too. I don't think I ever talked to Mr. Heisinga my whole time I was there. Yeah. That is, that is. I'm trying to wrap close. my head around that. I wonder if he was in costume when he delivered this message. Right. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry. I cut you off, but I'm just uh, uh, mind boggling. So I guess Heising was game and uh, told the organization and they decided that they were going to develop a mascot and it was going to be TD. And the person that was going to be the mascot was Stanley C. Panther. So he was going to jump over to the ah. Dolphins. And he was initially tapped as the first mascot of uh, the Dolphins. 
But at the same time, he was finishing his season with the Panthers. And during one of the final games, he was doing this skit on the ice where they would have like a replica of the opposing team mascot would come out into the ice and every, all the fans would start booing. And then Stanley would come out of the opposite end and skate as fast as he can and just cream the character and everyone would go nuts. And the ironic thing was that was usually me in that suit. But for some reason on this one night, he said to me, I got a friend doing it. I don't need you to do it. So they do the skit. He hits the, the penguin, shreds his knee, totally blows it out. And at this point, they had already debuted. Stanley C. Panther TD. blew out his knee, not the Penguin. No, Stanley C. Panther. Okay, right. got it. And they had already debuted the Chidi mascot at that point, because I think it happened like in April of uh, yep. 97, right after the draft. Yep. So now they don't have someone to put into the costume. And so <laughs> they got the a gentleman mascot who plays nobody... Stanley's like, hey, can you fill in for me? And I was like, okay. So I talked to the Dolphins and like, uh, what we'll have you do is you'll do the training camp for us, the two preseason games, and then the person they hired will, will come and start the season and you can work with him as the backup for the rest of the year. I'm like, okay. So I started July 1st of 97 and I worked all through training camp. And that's when we did training camp twice a day. I worked the first two preseason games. I worked pregame for the first three games of the season. And then we got to the Monday night game against Chicago. And I got a call that day. And they're like, uh, Bill, um, yeah, you're doing the game tonight. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I'll be there. I'm like, no, you are doing the game. And like, we checked out his knee again. The doctor said, he's done. He cannot do this anymore. There's way more damage than we thought. So my first regular season game was that Monday night game against Chicago, against who was going to become our next coach, Dave Wonstadt and then finished out the season. And then I had to audition to keep the job, won the audition, and then did another nine years. You know, I think that Monday night game was after, it was supposed to be a Sunday game. I think the Marlins were playing in, uh, in the World Series at that point. Or Is something that like what that. it was? Was that what it was, Bill, something like that? And we had to, yeah. and we had to move our game to Monday night? Uh, once yep, yeah. that's what happened. Yeah. There's so much to unpack there. Yeah. So I know, it's, it's, it's a... a it's very complicated. There's so much to unpack. So first and foremost, I was shocked that Stanley C. Panther pitched this, that he was bold right. enough to go up to the owner and say, hey, you're not, you know, hey, billionaire, you're not doing your job right. You need a, a stuffed fish on the sidelines there. But now I get it. He was trying to have yeah. a full year's worth of work. Jobs. He, yeah. Yeah, he yeah. was trying to get So then that happens. You were the guy who would dress up as the person who would get obliterated by Stanley C. Panther? Yeah, so coming out of college, I worked for this entertainment company called Sports Magic. And we traveled all around North America doing halftime shows, like fan interaction and all that. But we also had a satellite team in South Florida. So if you uh, baseball or, or hockey fan in those mid 90s and heard of the Bleacher Brigade or the Panther Patrol, I was a member of that team. So we were the guys that went around, uh, you know, did the slingshots. And then the mascots were like, great, I got like four people I can use as props. So if Billy the Marlin was doing a skit in the stands and you know the Marlins are playing the Mets or something, and I'd be sitting in the stands wearing a, a Mets jersey and he would come down with something and He's accidentally playing. dump oh. it all over me and all the fans would get all hysterical. Or uh, if we were playing the Cubs, I would play Elwood Blues and we would go out and do like a dance number during between innings which was always great because that always got me on ESPN. 
And there's actually a picture of me, Billy, and the person who played J Jake in the World Series program doing doing one of those skits. So it was it was kind of fun. And that's, you know, anywhere we traveled, we would meet all these mascots and the mascots were like, hey, can you do can, can you dress up as a referee and we'll do this dance number and stuff <laughs> like that. So I got to interact with all these mascots all throughout the United States. And it was a fun thing to do. And when we knew that the Stanley was moving over to the Dolphins, they were looking to fill that role. And I did audition to be Stanley. And I was in the final two, but obviously I did not get picked. Man, that's crazy, Big Seth. I mean, I, I love that, uh, you know, the fact that you guys, you know, really started your own little union of actors going across the country, right? Doing things like, I mean, some of those skits that I've seen are outstanding. Yeah. So you guys, this is like, I know we're, we know their plans, but we didn't know you guys work together like that all the time. Oh, yeah. They would know we were coming and they would plan things out and like, hey, we got, you know, some extra bodies and they can do this. For, you know, we can help you out in this way. Or we would do halftime shows or intermissions during hockey games. We'd bring games that we would do for the crown. So we, we did a little bit of everything. So it was really a lot. We were a sports entertainment company. So we did. It was cool. I did like the NHL All-Star Game, Major League Baseball All-Star Game. I got to go to Mexico for the NBA. So I got to do a lot a lot of traveling early on, right out of college. And it really kind of prepared me for this role. I, I want to talk about the the obliteration of the opposing team guy. <laughs> I mean, that I mean, you, did you go to like stunt school for that? I mean, how, that's a you said he's coming 100 miles an hour on ice at you, right? He right. takes you out, actually took himself mm -hmm. out. But how does that, I mean, you weren't there, but how does that, like, are you guys, do you practice that? Yes, we did practice it. And I would have like, elbow pads on, knee pads on, and you just learn to just relax. You would just relax and take the hit. And then they they knew how to like grab you and roll. So when you relax, you were actually landing on the mascot most of the time because they had even more padding than you did. And I think what happened in this instance is because this was a guy that had never done it before. He, oh, he locked. Right. And then when he tried to turn, his knee got caught. And yeah, he just shredded it. Oh. That's, that. Yeah, that is unbelievable. So you're like, are you in some kind of mascot witness protection? <laughs> I feel like Penn and Teller or something. You're giving away all the secrets right now, which is great for our podcast. But I hope that it's not putting you in any, you know, compromise. No, no, not a, no, no. Statue limitations are long gone. <laughs> You've left that life long, long behind. Yeah. Okay. Oh, man. <laughs> Too funny. You know, Bill, I remember like my first game as a rookie coming to the Dolphins. And how nervous I was, you know, I, all the stuff that I'd done in college, it meant nothing at that point because, I mean, compared to, you know, what I was preparing for in the NFL, nerve wracking. Now, how about your first year? Did you have any like pregame jitters like like I did, man? Because, I mean, once I got started, once the first hit or first kickoff or whatever, I was okay. But did you have pregame jitters as well? Oh, yeah, big time. Because as a kid, even though I grew up in Philadelphia, the Dolphins were my one of my favorite teams. They were my AFC team, and the Eagles were my NFC team. So now all of a sudden, I'm in the tunnel, and Dan Marino is right over my shoulder. Love and it. I'm about to lead the team out that I rooted for as a kid. So this is mind-blowing. I, I, you know, I can't believe this. And I remember, you know, our first preseason game, this is the first time everyone's going to see TD on the field. And as you notice, I have a flag behind me. And this is the actual flag that I used to use to bring out the team on the field. Dory Grogan's been looking for that flag for 20 years, by the way. Well, so we changed we changed logos, so we're okay. It, it somehow mysteriously came in the mail once you guys changed. I don't know how it got here, to be honest. So they gave me this flag, and they gave me, like, this wooden pole to use that I was going to run out, and I was going to get cued, and 
I would run past the, well, I don't even think we, well, because it was the baseball, we didn't have the logo on the field. So about the 40 yard line on the other side and you wave the flag while they introduce the team. So before the game, I'm just practicing waving the flag just to get a feel of how heavy it is. And I'm like, all right, this is kind of heavy, but I, it shouldn't be an issue. So I'm in the tunnel and then here you go, Dan, Dan's right on my shoulder. I'm like, wow, this is amazing. I can't believe this. And I get the go signal. So I run out and I got the flag and I stop and I'm just so excited. I'm just waving the flag frantically as much as I can. I'm like, wow, this flag is really light. <laughs> and all of a sudden I catch in the corner of my eye, the flag is crumpled on the field about five feet away from me. I, when I was swinging the flag, I just swing. So you're just, just out there waving the stick. And I was like, oh my God. So I just grabbed the flag and just ran off. I just ran, just, and I was like, how oh, are you man. high? Man. So, how do you sheep tall, right? eight feet tall and there's, you know, 40,000 people in the stands for a preseason game? How do you yep, sheep? I'm just, out, I'm just out there waving a stick. <laughs> oh, it's too funny. Did it get better? All right. So, you know, I, I got a little bit of ribbing from employees and I was like, all right, this is not going to happen again. So we take the stick and we tape the crap out of it. I'm like, right. there is no way this flag is coming <laughs> off. So same thing. We're in the tunnel. Dan's over my shoulder waiting for the go. Go run out again. I'm like, sweet. Flag's on there. I'm about to wave it. I do the first wave stick snaps in half. <laughs> oh man <laughs> yeah. yeah flag just crumbles in my hand i think stanley C. panther was and hiding just, somewhere he was sabotaging yeah, sabotaged sure. yeah. <laughs> and, I, and i just ran off I, I felt like gonzo in the muppet show trying to blow the damn horn it's just i was like i'm, I'm having oh, no luck God. Oh, so luckily funny. after that we replaced it with the metal pole and, and never had a problem again so wait a minute though so the weight changes then at that point though too now i mean it's not it's not as, i know i see those guys and i see yourself that, that flag is no joke, Big Seth. I mean, that thing is, especially when you're going against the wind a little bit, that thing is, that thing is a beast. Yeah, you really have to use momentum just to try to get that around. And you almost do like a giant figure eight, and momentum kind of helps you swing that around. It's that initial first two swings that feel really heavy, and then you're like, okay, this isn't too bad. Get it going. Got to get it going. All right. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. And let's not forget that he's doing all this in costume. It's like that would be hard to do just under normal circumstances, in my opinion. But whatever it was, you got over these early challenges. Hell, you did more than 100 games. I don't know if you've counted them up, but it had to be more than 100 games, preseason, regular season, postseason, throughout your time as TD. And during that time, you've got all these responsibilities. You've got responsibilities to pump up the crowd. You've got responsibilities to make sure every kid that screams your name feels special. Um, you've got responsibilities to, I imagine, stay engaged in the game because you don't want to be celebrating if we just through an interception, or you don't want to look like you're disinterested if there was a touchdown that was scored. How do you, because uh, you see this on TV and you see mascots, when, when a player scores and they want to go high five a player, or are you, you know, waving, no, you can't make this kick when the opposing team is kicking a field goal. How do you balance that responsibility to be entertaining uh, and to be engaged in the game, but to not make it kind of about you where you start to interfere with the product on the field? Yeah, that was certainly never my intention to interfere with the game itself. People paid money to watch 
our team play on the field. And I was not going to do that. I, I knew, I knew my place. My place was just to enhance, just be a outlet for fans, just, you know, to high five fans when something exciting is going on just to engage with fans pregame or hug kids during the game. So it was, yeah, my role in game day was just to survive because <laughs> we had those one o'clock Sunday afternoon games. And to be honest, being in that costume, I usually lost about three pounds an hour. So I would start about 10 o'clock doing stuff pregame, and then I'd be out there till the game's over. So you figure, I usually lost about 12 pounds a game, and then I would try to spend the whole week trying to put that back on. So, Bill, what you say you never crossed the line, but you and I talked about this. There was a postseason game where you got a little bit excited. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you had to. I mean, we, there we were. We were playing the Colts, and that was the Lamar Smith game. And man, what he, it seemed like he had like 75 runs that game. And there, there was a point where we thought we were going to lose because it was, it was the veterinary who missed that kick. Right. Yes. And then we came down and scored and everyone dogpiled and I jumped right in. I was just so excited. I, I, <laughs> we got to get footage of that. You, you the were the in fan of me that took day, over okay. at that point because usually during the fourth quarter, I'm, you know, I, I know everybody at that point is really just watching the game. So I'm like, I don't, you know, stay, stay behind, just cheer. Just watch what's going on. Just make sure you're enhancing whatever's going on. But at that moment, you're just it's a playoff game. You can't you can't help it. Especially when something like that happens. You know, if this actually is an overtime win, we got there in that game, Big Seth, right? Yeah, it was walk like, off seventeen yard yeah, run. Yeah, beat I mean, Peyton Manning. I mean, that was uh, that was that was some fun stuff, man. Uh, but I have seen some other mascots build that kind of got, got their team in trouble. Not only did they get themselves in trouble, but you know, I've seen some penalties and different things from mascots that. Really won't be a part of the game. You 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 at least waited till the end of the game to get get involved. Yeah, that, I mean that's why people are paying. I, yeah, I certainly never wanted to do anything that was going to cost a penalty to the team because I knew I was going to be uh, in the office on Monday and that could be walking papers. So. <laughs> a, a much larger penalty. I, I wasn't man. taking that. I wasn't taking that chance. You know, game days are just, of course, the most visible part of, of what you did, Bill. You know, but. It was just a fraction of what your role was as, as TD and what you're doing for the team. You had school visits, uh, charity visits, corporate appearances. I mean, TD, it was a full-time job. And Seth was telling me what your philosophy was as far as what was your ultimate responsibility with regards to season ticket holders and, you know, trying to build the fan base. And I thought, you know, it was very interesting. It's a very interesting perspective because, you know, people only think about you on game day or – Maybe a school visit, but there are a lot of other things. Can you share with us some of that? And then on the flip side, some of your wildest experiences that you had as TD. I mean, I really thought my job as the mascot was to be an ambassador for the team. I mean, once the season started with preseason or training camp all the way through the Pro Bowl, you know, you, you guys as players, you're every day. You know, you had your Tuesdays off and you do your community. But what other outreach was there? So I felt that was on me to try to really get out there and spread the word of, of the Dolphins. And, you know, I felt like the ambassador and, you know, my job wasn't people weren't going to buy tickets to come see me at a game. But if I visit kids at schools or other locations, maybe they'll start watching Dolphins on TV. Maybe when they get older, they because they become fans. There are. I'm, I was trying to build your future season ticket base. I wasn't really worried about the present in the sense that I was going to enhance the product. I was trying to help the Dolphins' word spread out there because 
you know, at one time, all we had down there was the Dolphins. Now we have three other major sports teams that we're competing with, and their schedules are a lot different. They're, some of their players have more free time. So I just had to get out there as much as possible and just, you know, hey, the Dolphins are cool. We're, we're still around. You know, we're competitive. Come, come watch our games. So anything that I could do to get out there, I, w- I was all for it. And I, I love doing schools. That was, that was my favorite part, just doing school visits. You would go in there and they'd have the auditoriums full of kids and you would just get them. You, you could do no wrong. You could do no wrong. I could jump on a cafeteria table and start dancing. <laughs> and, you know, kids are just laughing and clapping and, you know, they're leaving, they're high-fiving and, you know, you just made their day. It's, it's, it's stuff they remember forever. It's like, I remember as a kid when we had appearances from, people that would do presentations at our school. Like I remember those like they were yesterday. So that's the same thing I wanted to impact on kids or future or future doll fans. You know, there's, there's people now that are probably maybe listening to this podcast. Like, wait, I think I took a picture with this guy and maybe going through and going, Oh yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. That was, that was the guy. Yeah. That's pretty dope. And I think what's fun about that is that is one of the things that people will remember about it. But you also had experience in Fort Hood that seemed like it was pretty interesting that Big Staff was telling about. What happened in Fort Hood? Oh, man. So this was my first time I got to travel with the cheerleader show team. And I think this was in 99. And the cheerleaders are going to Fort Hood to do two shows and an autograph signing. And they would do the show singing, dancing, all that kind of stuff. And they integrated into me because when they do these shows, they're like doing costume change after costume right. change after costume change. So me coming out there to do like a, a little bit or two would give them a break. So we were doing one show in a theater and then we were doing an autograph signing the next day. And then the third appearance was an outdoor show. And we're in Fort Hood, Texas in September. So it is hot, super, super hot. And they take us to where we're going to do the outdoor show and they have this makeshift stage and it's an open field. And then behind the stage, they have an air conditioned tent for the cheerleaders. Well, I can't use that tent because the cheerleaders are changing. So they get me a bread truck that I'm going to change in. A bread truck? The bread truck has, you know, the, the big sliding door. Uh, yeah, it it's like got to be about 700 degrees And the window, I, I can kind of see what's going on on stage. So... I'll know when my, my cues are. So, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to complain about anything. Cause I'm like, <laughs> this is my first time going on a trip. Right. And if I say something and like, this might be your last time going on a trip. So I'm like, all right, I'll just suck it up and I'll, Climb I'll change in this truck. bread truck. Right. That's right. And one of the worst things about getting in costume is a getting in your costume when you are sweaty or the costume's already sweaty. And oh. since we already did the two hour appearance at the store, my costume was already soaked. So I'm just oh. like, ugh. So I get in the bread truck, close the door so no one can see me because the bread truck, like people could kind of see if they're, if they're sitting in the right place, they could kind of see into the truck. So I was like, you know, I don't want people watching me get dressed. So I close the door of the truck, lay all my stuff out. And then I'm just watching the show through the, this little window. And of course, while this is happening, I'm just, I'm sweating and I'm sweating and I'm sweating and I'm sweating. And I had like two bottles of water and they're already gone at this point. And someone from Fort Hood comes to me and goes, hey, are you okay in there? And I'm like, yeah. Um, how do you open the door on the other side? I, I noticed there's no latch to get open. He's like, oh, I think you locked it. Oh, come I'm on, like, man. oh, well, do you have the key? I'm like, um, no, I think it's on the other side of the base. I was like, oh, my God. 
And I'm, you know, I'm like, well, you got to go get that key. I got to go out in like 20 minutes. 20 so minutes, at this or point, you might die. Yeah, yeah, like that was you, who cares if you miss your cue? You might, you might die in there. <laughs> It'll be the right. last damn trip because so you won't so be at this point, I had half the costume <laughs> on, and I just I just take it off. So I'm literally now sitting in the back of this bread truck in my underwear <laughs> because I'm like, if they don't come back with the key, there's no point in me sitting in here sweating yeah. and possibly passing out. So luckily, like 15 minutes later, I, I see a car come around. Like, oh, we got the key. So they pop the door and they they just lift it a little bit. And even though it's super hot out there, the air that came in, it, it felt like it was frigid. Yeah. So I started throwing the costume in and I'm, I'm just looking out the window and I'm like, oh my God, it's the act before I'm supposed to go on. And usually it takes me about nine minutes to get the costume on once I lay everything out. I think I broke a record this time. And I literally, about three minutes, got it on, throw the door up, and I jump out, and I'm literally putting it on my head at the same time, <laughs> butting it in, and then run up to the stage and get on and do my act. No one had any clue what happened. Nobody saw it. No, yeah. The it's cheerleaders the knew nothing about it. The, the people who were putting on it had no idea that I was locked in the back of the truck. Locked in the back. The, the so, show must go on, Big The set. show has to go on. Harvey used to say... I don't know what we use this. Well, Harvey used to say, everybody sees the swan gliding across the water. Nobody sees his little fucking legs paddling like this underneath. So, those, so there's you. That's Harvey. But, but that's what it is, right? You get up there, everybody cheers. Hey, TD, giant dolphin. Yep. Doing, and you almost died in the back of a flipping bread truck. Bread truck. Don't yep, close the, the door all the way, Bill. You got to leave a little crack underneath. You, you know, you see people. Well, I, I, learned learned I learned my lesson. I learned my lesson. Good, good. The next time you find yourself in a bread truck. So uh, another thing you did, parades, right? Everybody yes. loves parades, mascots, balloons, the whole thing. You've done the Macy's Day Parade. You've done the Pro Football Hall of Fame Parade in Canton. And of <laughs> it seems, I don't know if this is all mascots or is it just Bill Banta's TD, but with each one of these things, you had some crazy story. Yeah, so um, I think it was 2003 or 2004. I got I got to do the Macy's Parade twice. And the first time we got invited, you know, it was letter, hey, we're going to fly you out. The NFL has an NFL float, and we're going to have kids from their um, junior training camp program, which I think is now the Play 60. Uh, there's going to be some alumni. And I think there was maybe eight of us that got invited to be on, on this float. So, you know, super excited. I mean, everybody's seen the Macy's Day Parade. So this is this is a big deal. I'm like, man, this is like one of the biggest things I've ever done. And normally when I do parades, you know, you, you get on the float and you stand there and you just kind of wave to everybody or in the back of the car to wave. So it's like easy peasy kind of stuff compared to, you know, running around and trying not Red to pass out. the whole nine. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, of course, the day before the parade, a whole bunch of the mascots and I get out together. Hey, we're in New York, you know. I think our call time was... Oh. The mascots are hitting the streets. Just six thirty in the morning. Six thirty in the morning. Yeah, we got to the hotel probably around four. Uh -huh. So we had enough time to take like a, basically a nap. Get down to the lobby. They put us in like a, a New York public transportation bus. Drive us over to the to the parade route. So one of the parade organizers is like, okay, yeah, we need you guys in costume. And um, so today you guys are going to walk along the float. And and we're like, whoa, walk along the float. What? I mean, the average sleep among all of us is maybe 90 minutes. And they wanted us out there an hour before the float took off. And we're like, no, that's not happening. Let us know when the float's about to take off and we'll get the and we'll we'll come out to the float. So sure enough, you know, we get the call. Hey, float's about to take off. We need you out there. 
So, you know, we throw on our heads and run to the we throw on our heads. <laughs> yeah, we can't just yep. like, we throw on our we heads. Throw on our... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Ben. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> we throw on our heads. So, you know, we're, we're running to the float, and I'm thinking to myself, there's no way I am walking this route. So I just jump right on the float. So I make sure I'm on the TV side, and, I, and I'm just sitting there waving. So, of course, you know, being the Miami Dolphins, we're in New York. The Jets are one of our biggest rivals. And I was no, like, yeah. oh, I'm sure I'm going to be getting heckled the whole time during this parade. People are just going to be giving me crap. So, you know, I'm expecting, but I'm like, I don't care. I'm just going to be waving. So we're out there, and I'm on the float, and we're going through the, the route. And people are like, GD, 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 yeah, GD, GD. And I'm like, wow, I cannot star. believe how popular I am here in New York. This is great. <laughs> 30 minutes of this straight. I'm just here. TD, TD, TD. <laughs> then all of a sudden I hear this one guy just scream out, Tony Dorsett, you're the man. <laughs> and I was like, what? And I turn around and I didn't realize Tony Dorsett was right behind me. And everybody has been calling out for him. He could give a crap. It was me. Oh, did it just TD, Tony Dorsett. Oh, so yeah, that, for a moment, I just caught him like, oh, but yeah, it was still a good like, time. I own this town. Yeah. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. You know, Bill, one of my favorite times with mascots is when at a Dolphin game, a whole bunch of mascots come into town and play against a Little League football team. And it seemed like the mascots really take it out on these little kids pretty tough, man. Have you, have you played any of those games where, I mean, the mascots versus, like, one of the best little Little League teams in football? Oh, I, I was called uh, Soul Crusher in one game. We were up in Jacksonville. TD the Soul Crusher? Can we yeah. name this episode TD the Soul Crusher? I don't know if that'll yeah. fly. So we were, we were playing this uh, uh, Pee Wee team up in Jacksonville, and I was playing safety. And this kid uh, ran around the sideline, <laughs> and he was going down. The, they like the fans were going crazy because they thought this kid was going to score. Oh no! And they had this perfect <laughs> shot. I, I wish on, I had Bill. the video of it. The shot of it was just a kid going down the sideline to the end zone, and I came out of nowhere and I blew him up. Oh, I just <laughs> oh Bill, you blew him up. How old are these kids? <laughs> I don't know. They were in pads, they're 10, 12. They had more padding than we did. They were there. They, they were, were pads, too. They were good. Oh, yeah. Man. He got He got up. He got up. He, he was fine. up. <laughs> did you tell him, you know, rub some dirt in it? Did you, I, do they sign no, I didn't, up? Like, I didn't talk in the costume, so kind of, I couldn't say anything to him. Fair enough. That, but, yeah, I, I, got some, I got some crap for the mascots from that. Yeah, oh, I bet. Uh, I you, bet. You just crushed that kid's soul. You're a soul crusher. Soul crusher. We got it. The right. soul crusher. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this one. Yeah, go ahead. I'm going to flip the script completely here. So uh, I get the soul crusher. So you didn't just crush souls, right? So on a more serious note, one of the, the major responsibilities for TD were the hospital visits. And uh, I, I know just from our experience with the Jason Taylor Foundation, I'm sure, you know, Juice, you've been on uh, plenty of hospital visits. They're unbelievably rewarding. You know that you're doing something special for, for young people who are really oftentimes facing their darkest moments. Um, but it's also difficult. It's a, it's a lot. It's a lot to process. It's, a, you know, especially if you're a parent or but to go in there and see see kids in these positions, to see families in these positions. I know you really enjoyed those visits and you would go there and, and try and brighten, 
the experience, at least that moment for young people. Can you talk about, I know there was one in particular that, that stuck with you. Can you talk about the hospital visits as TD? I would try to go three or four times a year to the different hospitals and visit. And then, of course, the team would go every year. So when we would do, the, the team would go down. So I would have to get down there before them. So the team would usually get on a bus and the bus would take them down. But I had to get there before, get in costume, and then I was assigned a group. And one time I, I got to do the hospital visit with Marino. Other times I would do, you know, like linebackers. And so on this one particular day we were doing, I, I was with the offensive lineman. And the issue is we have big, three big offensive linemen and me. So trying to get into a room, it was just way too tight. Yeah. And then we would usually have two cheerleaders with us. So what I said, it was like, you know what? You guys go first. And then when you come out, I'll, you know, I'll run in. I'll, I'll be the cleanup act. And usually it would be someone from the hospital that would take all the groups around and kind of let you know what was going on with the kids. So you kind of knew going in what the issue or problem was. And... All right, I'm looking through this story. This is a tough one for me. Um, so we get to this one room, and uh, the woman tells us, you know, the, this boy just had an operation, and unfortunately they had to remove his arm, and it was removed from the shoulder. And he had the operation a couple of days ago, and um, he's just he's been really depressed. So you know, if you guys can come in and, and make him smile, that would be great. So the offensive linemen go in with the cheerleaders and I'm just sitting out there waiting and they all come out and I, I can't, re I can't remember who it was on the offensive line. He, he was just shaking his head. He's like, TD, that's going to be a tough one for you. So they come out, I go running in the room and the kid's there and he's in the bed. And you know, one of the first things I always have to watch is just, you know, what are, what are they hooked up to? Because I have to be aware because I can't see that well. So I, God forbid, I go in there and pull something or, you know, hurt him or, or something like that. I have to be super careful. So I go in the room and I, and I, and I, I see the situation. So the kid's in the bed and then he has his parents and there was someone else from the family that was sitting there with him on the other side of the bed. So I go in the bed and, and I, and I kind of jump on the end and I'm, I'm, I'm playing with them and you know, you're, you're doing all like the, the silly mascot one Oh one kind of stuff. You're, you're, you're rubbing his head. You're pretending like his feet stink and, I'm getting no response from this kid whatsoever. Nothing. And I'm like, oh, man. Okay. So I run over to the parents. Like I sit on the dad's lap. I go through the mom's purse. And the parents are laughing like, oh, look at TD. He's so funny. You know, I, I don't remember what the, the kid's name was. But, you know, they're like, oh, isn't, isn't it so great that TD's here? I'm still getting nothing from this kid. I'm like, damn it. I'm like, I just want to get make this kid crack a smile. That's all I want before I leave. So I try one or two other things, nothing's working. So I'm like, okay, I can't, I don't know what to do. So usually one of the bits I would usually do when I'm leaving a room is I'm usually like waving to the kid and I would turn and smack my face into the, the doorway. And then I would kind of get a laugh. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going all out in this one. <laughs> right. So I ran at the door and hit the doorway as hard as I can, fell back, kind of did a flip, jumped out and then just sprinted out of the room. And as I sprinted out of the room, I heard a laugh. And I'm like, yes, I got you. Great. Good. So happy. So I leave the room and I'm waiting to see what's going on, where we're supposed to go next. And then all of a sudden, here behind me is TD, TD, TD. And I'm like, who's calling me? And I turn around, it's the kid's parents. And the mom just comes up to me and gives me the biggest hug and just goes, 
thank you so much for making my kids smile. It's the first time we've seen them smile since the operation. And that's what it's like, damn it. That's why I do this job. That's why I do this job. And I'll, I'll never forget that moment. And every time I think about it, I'm doing exactly what I do right now. So it's tough, but I, I, I can never forget it. I can never forget it for as long as I live. Those are always the toughest, TD, man. Those are always the hospital visits. And, and those kids, man, they, they're always the toughest visits. They really yeah. are. But imagine what it meant for him and that family. Yeah, yeah, man. Really, really, really powerful stuff, man. I, I know that. I mean, that, that kid there going through a lot right there. But I can also imagine that, I mean, there's some children, <laughs> there's some kids you probably ran into that probably need a, need a little more parenting, if you know what I mean. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, we definitely went on the opposite end of the spectrum. Yeah, you see all the <laughs> stuff on social media where people mess with Mickey Mouse and, you know, pulling on mascots' tails and things like that, man. Did you ever have to, did you ever have to deal with a kid that was a, a little unruly or lacking parental supervision when they needed it most? <laughs> Oh, yeah, definitely big time. Usually when I would do appearances, I would usually have a handler with me. So the handler could usually take care of that, those situations. And one of the big things about being the mascot is I would never, never talk in the costume. Even if staff was addressing me about something, I would just nod my head or shrug or whatever. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even talk to people that I worked with. I was just I'm like, I'm, I'm in the suit, I'm in the character. But we're doing this one night, um, doing this appearance. It was um, the Monday night when Jimmy Cephalo would do the show, I think, with um, I think Mad Dog, uh, Jim Mandridge. Jim Mandridge, yeah. yeah. It was yeah. Mad Dog. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they would do that live show before um, the Monday night game. And they would be on location. And they used to be downtown Fort Lauderdale. But for some reason this year, we were at Dave & Buster's. So I'd be there at Dave & Buster's. And when they would do the cutaway, they would, it would usually be like a me and the cheerleader. I'd be playing like one of the video games or something like that or whatever. So usually I was in there by myself. I didn't have a handler. So every time the camera would break away, there was these three kids between the ages of 10 and 12 that oh, would just boy. like run up, punch, run away, <laughs> run up, punch, run away, run up, punch, run away. And it was just annoying me. Were their names JT, Mike, and Travis? That's all I want to know. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't okay. think so. All right. Just, just checking. Just checking. So it, it like just got to the kids. point. Yeah, that was my first guess. <laughs> so as the night went on, they were getting bolder and bolder. And they just started hitting more and more. And because there was really no one around, no one was doing anything about it. So eventually, I could sense that the kid was coming. And he went to go hit me. And I turned around and I grabbed him. And I grabbed him in the arm and I pulled him as close as I could to my face. And I said, kid, if you hit me one more time, I'm going to find out who your parents are. And we're going to get you thrown out of this place. Do you understand oh. me? You knock it off. And I just let go and I walked away. You broke character. Yeah, I broke character. I did. And I hated doing that, but I just had to in this instance. Right, right. They, should have told they didn't mess with me again for the rest of the night. They didn't right. mess with me the rest of the night. You didn't see him again the rest of the night? That was it. Yep. <laughs> I love it. No, I hope he's got, listening to this podcast. All you got to do is send a message to one, Big Seth, and yeah. the rest will get it. You know what I mean? That's how you pick do one, it. Pick that's, the biggest one right. out in the that's yard, right. huh? <laughs> yep. Oh, God, that is too funny. I would, uh, yeah. Which, uh, If it was those three guys, which one do you think it would have been? JT. JT, for yeah, sure. Yeah, JT. that's my money's on JT yeah, as well. JT. So, all right. <laughs> Sorry, Bill. We got a little inside joke here. Uh, at the that's top okay. of the show... Um, you know, I mentioned your your latest creative endeavor. You know, it's been 
many years since you've been TD. I know you live out in the West Coast now, you're out in LA, but you recently you started the All 80s Movies podcast, which uh, you're the producer, right? You've got a producer's credit. Producer and host, and, yeah. And a host, and then Jason Masick is your co-host, and you guys do an incredible job of doing deep dives on all things 80s, all movies 80s. Unbelievable catalog of films you've reviewed. Juice, I don't know if you've checked it out yet. To me, the one I've listened to that I thought was above and beyond all of them was the Hoosiers episode. You guys killed that really, really good. But, yeah, um, for some reason, uh, we had some uh, amazing special guests we were able to oh. secure. I mean, you know, going through their agents and all that. It took a long time, but once long, we were able to have them on the to show. That one. I love it. But, but tell us. But, uh, but Seth, a, I have to tell you this. What was amazing about you being on that episode is usually when we do the show, I prepare about five pages of notes. I think you had about eight. So you even blew me away with your preparation for that. So you you were you were serious about this. We had like just you were pulling out information Thomas, I didn't even know. I was inspired to prepare for right. sure. I did not want to put uh, bad tape out there. That's that's for sure. Thank you for for those I think those are kind words. But um, tell us how you found your way into being an 80s movies expert. I'm so intrigued, as you might imagine, by the podcast space. So, like, what led you to create the All 80s Movies podcast? So I went to college um, at the University of Miami for film school. And that's what I thought I was originally going to do. And um, like I said, life finds a way. And somehow I sidetracked and ended up becoming the mascot for the Miami Dolphins. And after 10 seasons, I kind of thought, you know what? I still have this dream. I want to be a filmmaker. So after I left, I, I moved out to California. And of course, what's happening now, there was a writer's strike going on. So there wasn't any work. So I had to find something to do to make ends meet. But on the side, I was doing some s small films. I was writing. And they won some awards. So, you know, you got stuff going on. And, you know, unfortunately, COVID happened. So when COVID happened, everything shut down again. And I, I just wanted to be creative. So Jason Massick, who's the co-host, uh, was actually one of the actors in one of the, the movies I wrote. And we went to school together. He was actually in my first student film. So oh. I've known him for a really long time. And when we would get around and talk about movie projects we were going to do, you know, the, the last two hours of the night was just talking about movies, talking about movies that we had recently seen or just movies that we just loved. And I said, you know what, since we really can't do anything right now because everything's locked down, why don't we just do a podcast? And... You know, we were trying to think of, because there's so many movie podcasts out there. It's like, so what can we do to make us stand out? And it's like, well, you know, the reason we went to film school is because of the movies that we loved during the 80s. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about how those movies influenced us to do what we're trying to do now. And that's where we came up with the All 80s Movies podcast. And, um, you know, it, it's it's finding its way out there. So I'm very excited. And I appreciate you coming on to do an episode with us. And uh, just all the listeners that have been listening to the show. I mean, some of the great like feedback we get is because I listen to your podcast, I'm now showing my son this movie. Right. So it's like, oh, that's really cool. You know, it's, it's almost in a way like mascotting. I'm, I'm trying to, to build the new generation of 80s movies lovers. Interesting. It's, it's tough with 80s movies, man, to show kids nowadays, man, because yeah. the graphics. <laughs> I try to show my kids Rocky one time. They're like, Dad, what is this? This is ridiculous. We're trying to, they couldn't I, was trying, buy into Rocky? I was trying to prep them for Creed. You know, and all the whole Creed series, right. so I had to take them back to Rocky. We got through like 15 minutes of, but they and don't they understand. The towel. Yeah, they were doing the towel. Throwing the towel. Yeah. Oh, God. All right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Bill. Well, <laughs> we're going to finish it up right here, man. This has been so, it's been so good. And I can't, now I'm going to have to look at some of the 80s movies that I, I really enjoyed. And, and you got to look at the catalog they have. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to check that out. But, you know, players and coaches, you know, they, 
they have a hard time sometimes managing the two-minute drill, but we know they handle it, right? So we feel like mascots can handle two-minute drill as well. So at this point in the episode, we're going to put two minutes on the clock. And Seth and I, we're going to throw uh, some quick-hitting questions at you. And we're going to right. see what you, the first thing that comes to your mind. No pressure. It's not, it was not that tough. Just, you know, just whatever comes to your mind, all right? Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. You mentioned earlier you grew up in Philadelphia. So this may be a tough one, all right? Who's the, who's the better mascot, the Philly Fanatic or the San Diego Chicken? The Chicken is probably more notorious, but I got to go, yeah, I got to go home team. Come on, the Fanatic. You better, you better go home team. You, you know can't go home if yeah, you don't exactly pick the Fanatic. Right. Yeah. More notorious, I like that, the notorious one. Okay, so TD, Bernie, Billy the Martin, Billy the Martin, <laughs> Billy the Marlin, and Stanley C. Panther, who got you your job, uh, they sit down at the same poker table. Who's going home the big winner? Oh, my God. You know, it's funny that you mentioned it. I actually have a picture of me, Stanley, and Billy playing cards. I'll have to try to get that to you if I can find yeah, we, it. Yeah, we, we absolutely uh, unfortunately, Ber- unfortunately, Bernie was not there that night. But if we were playing cards, I think it would be Bernie. He's a cheater. So <laughs> I think he, he would win. There you go. The, the ori- you go. If you ever met the original person who played Bernie, <laughs> He's a he did not need that costume. He was the same in and out of the suit. He was hysterical. He was he was great. <laughs> I love it. All right. As a certified movie expert with your own movie podcast, tell us what was Dan Marino's greatest performance on the silver screen. Man. Well, first I would say the fact that he was able to sell people isotoner gloves being a quarterback in South Florida, oh. super impressive. Genius. Most people probably don't know this is he actually did a show for the CW called Animal Crackers which he actually worked with mascots. It was like a half hour comedy. If you can find it on streaming, give it, give it a watch. But I mean, come on, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. There we go. All day, without All day a doubt, day, right? Easy one. Is right there. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, no brainer, right? For, I mean, that really kind of uh, jump-started his entire film career, right. I would right. think. So, okay. 10 seconds, Seth. Dan didn't star in any 80s movies, so with him out of the conversation, what is the greatest 80s movie of all time? For me, it would be Raiders of the Lost Ark. Raiders of the Lost Ark, that is the two-minute drill. That's great. Yeah, and the first one, right? I mean, that's that was that was iconic. Yeah, all the whole series sure. is pretty good. Well, though. were they all, I guess, how many were actually in the 80s? Well, in the 80s. Uh, three. Okay. So Temple of Doom and Last Crusade was 89. I mean, this is what he does. This is what he does. This is what he does. I can't believe you that question. You should have known that. Yeah, I should have known that. So Raiders <laughs> of the Lost Ark, why? It's just time. I saw it on the big screen maybe three or four years ago and just watching it. I'm like, you could almost take that movie now, not have to change a thing. And if no one knew, ever knew about the Indiana Jones character and watched this movie for the first time, they would be incredibly impressed. It's a timeless movie. It just it withstands the test of time. Juice is going to test that with his kids. We'll see how timeless it really is. Give give that one a shot. Make sure they're the right age, though, because I I made the same mistake trying to show some of these 80s movies to my kids, and I realized I did it at the wrong age. I'm like, if I wait until they saw it the same age I saw it, it might work. That's the move. That's the move. So I think you're good. I think you're in good good shape. Bill, this was awesome, man. This was, uh, we, you know, just like you do on your podcast, we love the wax nostalgic here in the fish tank. And uh, man, it was, it was awesome to work with you. We joked about the poker games. We had our little poker game that we played, but just to be able to catch up with you like this, to go on your show and now to have you dive in the fish tank, it's been a lot of fun, man. Oh, no, thank you so much. It's, it's been a pleasure. And uh, 
please, if you ever need me back, there's a ton of stories I still got in the vault that I'd love to share. I bet, and the suit. We and think he suit. might have the right, suit in the right. vault as well. Yeah, right. We won't Maybe. tell him. Maybe. <laughs> hey, thanks for diving in, Bill. All right, thank you so much. You're now diving into the fish tank. Sitting down with Seth living, OJ, Juice, man, this is strictly for them true fans, golf fans, number one, of course y'all, this ain't no ordinary sports talk, dive up in that fish tank, go get your aqua orange, yeah, it's time to dive up in that fish tank, it's only legendary talking when you dive up in that fish tank, rocking with OJ and Seth when you dive up in that fish tank, Okay, this one for them diehards. Celebrate big or cry hard. Leave it all on the field, we gon' try hard. Old school, a new school, mix it in. Feeling like we up close when we listening. Dolphins tales, in Miami is the deep end. We vibing with our favorite players, no secret. We get with Seth and McDuffie. Bringing up stories we never heard to the public. Bet we love it. Dolphins fans never budget. We loyal to the team, whether happy or we upset. We be like, what's next? Don't switch the subject. You know it's all about the fans. And if you ready for that water, time to dive in. Don't switch the subject. You know it's all about them fans. And if you down with Dolphins Nation, time to dive in. Don't switch the subject. You know it's all about them fans. You looking at that fish tank, it's time to dive, dive in. Don't ever add a tool, you might have never been in Christmas.